Welcome to season three of the ASCA Viewpoints podcast, the podcast where we talk about the student conduct profession in higher education. I'm Alexandra Hughes, your Viewpoints host. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the ASCA Viewpoints podcast. As always, I am your host, Alexandra Hughes. Actually, now it's official. I'm Dr. Alexandra Hughes. Uh, yeah, lots happened since the last time that I've been on here. And so I guess I, I guess we have some catching up to do. It has been a month since I put out an episode. And so the first thing that I really want to do is just thank everyone uh, for your support and your understanding. Uh, the month of September was Oh, it was such a wild, crazy month. Um, I was defending my dissertation. So finishing up all the writing, defending that dissertation. And for those of you that know, that was just, I mean, it was, it was just, I can't even describe, like it was like climbing Mount Everest. And even those last few weeks, last few moments, literally minutes prior to that, it was just so extremely just <laughs> overwhelming and a lot of work to do. So that being said, um, I did not put out an episode uh, as far as podcasting, as far as all of that stuff. And so I am so just incredibly excited to be back. I'm ready. There's so much stuff happening in our world. And I just really thank everyone for their support. Actually, even outside of that, I just thank everyone for the overwhelming amount of support that I received after I defended. Like I have never had so many texts, calls, notifications, emails, Twitter Post, Instagram, like you name it. It was, I mean, it was, it was really a moment. It was something that I will never, ever, ever forget for the rest of my life, um, obviously. And I just, I just thank you. I just, I truly, truly, truly thank you. So that being said, a lot of stuff has happened, uh, you know, since, well, since the last time I put out an episode, I mean, school was starting or about to start and it was in late August when I put out or mid August, when I put out the last episode, we are now and at the beginning of October. So, so many things have happened and I, you know, (laughs) there's not enough time in the world to talk about about it. Right. But what I am excited about is that now I do have time to talk about it. I don't think people really understand the amount of work um, that goes into even podcasting for this particular one. So not only do I record the episodes or record intros, I'm you know, scheduling time to meet with people, to do these interviews or to talk, or I'm getting content or I'm creating stuff. But not only am I recording it, I'm also editing everything myself. And so the editing, all that stuff, I mean, it takes a lot of time, a lot of work. And so doing all that, plus, you know, full-time job, actually, you know, as the assistant director of student rights and responsibilities, plus being a professor, plus also, or an adjunct lecturer, whatever you want to call it, plus also this whole school thing and trying to finish a doctorate, that was a lot. So I definitely had to make sure that I could uh, really accomplish what I needed to accomplish. And now since I have time, I am excited. I'm excited to bring a lot of content, a lot of material, and really just make this a consistent thing. So I just, again, appreciate everyone's love, everyone's support. 
Um, I want to go ahead and put a call out. If there's certain topics and things that you would like to hear on the show, please let me know. Uh, you know, it, since I am a one woman show running a lot of this stuff, um, you know, my ideas, especially when it was in the middle of all the things that I had going on, you know, creativity can be, you know, definitely hard, but it's really about what you all want to hear and the things that are coming to you. And so that's really what I want to do. Uh, you know, again, I appreciate all the love, all of the support, be on the lookout, um, for some new things that are coming. If you don't know, we actually started an Instagram page for the podcast. So that was a new thing that we um, went ahead and, and, and did. I know before we had a Twitter, but now we have uh, an Instagram page that we're going to start being really active on. And the Instagram for our podcast is just ASCA podcast. Again, that's ASCA podcast. You'll find it. It's on there. Um, I mean, it's me. It says ASCA viewpoints podcast hosted by uh, Alexandra talks. That's my Instagram name. So if you are on Instagram and not on Twitter, that is another way that you can connect that we will be on there as well, just so you know, but yes. So with that, that is my opening. That is my introduction. That is my, you know, kind of what's been happening, what's been going on. I know a lot of people knew, but I know a lot of people didn't know. So I wanted to make sure that I could just share that with you. Also, this is a check-in. How are you doing? Right? Like we're in October and uh, so much has happened across this country. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some stuff that we're going to get into in the podcast, but so much has happened. And so I definitely want to be able to hold space for that. But I also just want to do a check in with y'all as well to see how you are doing, to see how things are going on. If you need to reach out, if you need to email me, if you have a crazy conduct question and you're like, look, I just need another person to look at it because I'm an office of one and I need someone's advice or, you know, just another, not even advice, just another outlook. I'm always there uh, to help. I do have people that send me stuff. Please feel free um, to email me, connect with me, whatever that looks like. So with that, I am going to jump into the episode because I definitely spent like the last six minutes just talking about, you know, what's going on. <clears throat> so this episode, I'm super, super excited about, we actually recorded it last month. It was before the defense. Yes. So it was before my defense. Uh, and we recorded this episode at the end of August. And the reason when we recorded it then was because we figured we would record it and I would be able to get it out before the defense. The problem was I had to do um, some editing on this and you'll kind of hear it. The technology. Yeah. Technology was not on our side. I'll just be honest when it came to the internet and different stuff, you know, welcome to 2020. So it took a little bit more editing and stuff, but I really appreciated this episode. So this episode this is Dr. Kyle Williams. Some of you may know or recognize that name or know who he is. If you don't, he's extremely active, of course, in ASCA, serving as the chair of the Equity and Inclusion Committee. Um, but outside of that, Dr. Williams is the current assistant director of student conduct and community standards at Washington University. So WashU in St. Louis. He is originally a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, and he received his undergraduate degree in voice from Otterbein University. 
University. So he was at Otterbein, his master's from Old Dominion University, as well as he received his doctorate in education at Texas A&M University Commerce, where his focus was on mattering and persistence of black males. So Dr. Williams, uh, as his colleagues at WashU have named him, has worked at Stony Brook University, Virginia Wesleyan University, Old Dominion University, Tidewater Community College, the College of New Jersey, and Texas A&M University Commerce. Uh, His background experience includes areas such as residence life, development and alumni affairs, inclusion and diversity, student organizations, fraternity sorority life, and student conduct. He is very active in a number of organizations uh, across just the country, including everything from ACPA to SACSA. Um, His fraternity, he's Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, and he is actually also a faculty member at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville in their College Student Personal Association program, and then a faculty affiliate there uh, at WashU and the Brown School of Social Work as well. So Dr. Williams does a lot of work, and he is a great resource just to have and to know. Earlier in the uh, season, we actually had Jessica White on the show talking about a presentation that she did surrounding Title IX and Black bodies at our annual conference in February. And so she did it, if you remember me saying, with a Dr. Kyle Williams, and this is that Dr. Kyle Williams. So we had fun. We were laughing. We were talking. We just needed, I think, uh, to just kind of regroup, right? Like so much stuff had happened when it came to uh, the beginning of school, COVID, all these different things. And we were talking, we were laughing, we were having a good time, just sharing some different stuff that we had seen. So with that, I hope you enjoy our conversation. It's no specific topic in general, like I've had with other episodes, but it is just two colleagues talking. We had a good time and I am excited. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will put all of Kyle's contact information in the description box. And I hope to connect with all of you soon. All right, please stay safe. How's it going? How's it going, y'all? You know, we're here in the interwebs, in the inner world, in the middle of COVID. And, you know, we're still here. But we are happy to have you on our show because, um, yeah, you're pretty amazing. So I guess for our listeners who may or may not know who you are, can you please share only what you're comfortable with sharing on a recorded podcast? I always like to say that. A little bit about you, who you are, what you do for our organization, and like a fun fact, like I love Beyonce. You can have a fun fact too. Sure. I mean, you kind of took mine. Uh, But my name is Dr. Kyle Williams. My pronouns are he, him, they. I currently serve as the Assistant Director of Student Conduct and Community Standards at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, I got my start into student affairs um, when I worked at Otterbein College. Now, um, and from there, I learned a lot about equity and inclusion and diversity. And that really framed a lot about who I am as a professional and who I am as a human being. And from that, I went forward and got my master's at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, where I got involved with housing. And so I did housing for quite a while. Um, And part of housing, if you've ever done housing, you understand there's a lot of conduct that's involved with the process. And so I, when I moved 
from my first professional position at the College of New Jersey. Shout out to Ewing. Um, if you ever use OCM, on-campus marketing, they're, they're big there. Um, to Texas A&M University Commerce. I really worked in my mid-level position to learn more about um, how conduct plays a part in housing and managing the conduct process. And it's because of one of my, one of my mentors that's there, um, now Dr. Robert Dotson, um, who got me involved with learning more about the conduct process, that I came to meet my other mentor, who is um, Tamara Greenfield King, who actually hired me to be at WashU. And so through all of that, I have learned and kept a very close look on how equity and inclusion plays a part in the work that we do. Um, and so I took that work from looking at, at from a housing standpoint to how it plays a part in the work that we do within student conduct. And so really looking at student conduct and how we're looking at equity and inclusion and diversity um, and how we make sure that our processes are equitable and fair for everyone. Through that work, I got involved with ASCA. I was actually a recipient of the diversity scholarship um, in 2018 when we were in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and then from there, I got involved with the then diversity committee and um, was nominated to be the chair at our convention in 2018 and then took over that process in 2018 and have since worked with um, the committee um, in 2019, 2020, to look at how we continue to build equity and inclusion to, within the field of um, student conduct. Um, and so that's the work that I do. We are currently working the Equity and Inclusion Board, as we've renamed it this past year, has really looked at how are we talking about equity and inclusion um, and setting the standard for what it means to be, to be inclusive and equitable within student conduct on our campuses across the nation. So that has been a huge trajectory for me, um, not to mention the fact that I'm also on faculty at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, Go Cougars, um, where I teach the legal and ethics of higher education and have really looked at providing another concept of what law and ethics looks like for individuals who are interested um, in student affairs. And from that have created a lot of other um, professionals who's, who have really looked at conduct as a profession that they could go into. Um, and so that has been the work that I've done. That's my professional journey. Um, and really looking at how we can continue to look at this, even through the COVID perspective of how we do this work and thinking about our most marginalized students and ensuring that we're all being equitable and fair for everyone within our institutions, and particularly those who come through the student conduct process. So with that, I mean, like, that's just amazing, right? So I want to share a little bit with our listeners who may or may not know, some people know, but nevertheless, um, I am always talking to you all the time, not only just because I'm on, you know, the equity and inclusion kind of like committee with you, but really um, I started my involvement with ASCA also really getting involved through a scholarship, the Diversity Inclusion Scholarship at the time. Um, which is how I originally got connected with you. And you've been my number one supporter when it comes to just podcasting, when it comes to, I mean, everything dealing with ASCA. So this is also a very special episode just because I know I would not be in this podcast role if it was not for you just supporting me and pushing me and being like, well, go ahead 
and go for it and see. So, I mean, that's just something that I want to make sure people know. And I also like to give people their flowers while people are here. And so that's why it's just something that's just very special to me because it's clear through the work that you do, you're impacting so many different people, but like you also impacted me so much. And I mean, from the very beginning, I used to reach out to Dr. Williams and be like, so I have a question. <laughs> I have a question about this. I have a question about that. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then so like, here we are to this day. And I mean, from, you know, someone that started in one world just to become someone that is just such a close friend and someone that I admire and just really appreciate. So I just want to make sure I let people know um, really just the work that you do and just how how amazing you are. So speaking of equity and inclusion and COVID, um, we're still in a pandemic. It's a thing. Did, I don't know if you know that or not. Like if you if you were yeah. with you. It is. <laughs> here. We are here. And we're in this pandemic and school has started. So whereas I know like in March when we went home, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to like sit home. I'm going to work from my bed for like a month and like, you know, clock in, uh, you know, kind of have a vacation for a month. Yeah, no. One, it was not a vacation. I probably worked harder in these last months since COVID pandemic that I did before. And then like we're still in it. And I'm still in my house and yeah, school started. So with that, I think a lot of people are saying, okay, so what do we do? We've all kind of have come up with these ideas and these plans for institutions, but not all of the plans are working <laughs> as we see like in the news, right? So what are some things that you've seen that have like just stood out to you? Like just, just in this week. Yeah, I would say, so I'm very lucky in the fact that my institution has not, so I, I talked about how I'm faculty with Edwardsville, but I'm also on staff at WashU. I'm very lucky in the fact that WashU has not started yet. Like that's the administrative piece of the work that I do. Um, and so like we're still navigating this, but I think about when as a gearing faculty member, I've been in gearing, um, I didn't mention that before, but you know, as a faculty fellow, now I'm a faculty member. Um, so when we switched gearing to be completely virtual, I think a lot of the conversations that we were talking about in the late part of July was about what do we do? And I talking to the mid-level aspiring director track was very clear. This is a big case study. We don't know what's going to happen. We are dealing with a lot of different combating issues when it comes to talking about finances, when it comes to looking at how we support our students, how we support our staff. It's, it's a big case study. And I look at the fact that this is going to be someone's dissertation not mine, I'm completed, but this is going to be someone's dissertation about how we navigated this in about five years, because there's going to be a lot of work that comes out of this. And I think about what it means to be an 18, 19-year-old self. And I look back to what I was doing at 18, 19 years old, and when I was leaving my parents' household, and I think about institutions like University of North Georgia and um, Duke, all these institutions that are starting to roll back their um, ways which they deal with students. And it's very interesting. Like, I can't imagine what it's like to have had your senior year interrupted and for you not to be, not to be with your friends, but then to be in the house all summer and the first time you're actually let out and free is when you get to college. And even when you get to college, there's all these expectations of things you have to do. And so, and people you can't see, you can't hug somebody, you can't be with your partner, you can't 
Um, be in the dining hall. You can't look at what it means to join an organization, the traditional route. So when I was thinking about how we deal with COVID, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that we're in this place. I'm not surprised that we are still in the pandemic. Um, I'm not surprised that we're dealing with institutions that still don't know how to really manage things. I'm not surprised that in particularly um, offices of student conduct have not been brought to the table to figure out how we deal with this. Um, and that we are being looked at as the people who are just suspending students again, because if you're not going to deal with the issues that we're here to manage student behaviors, that we don't look at the community part that we build. And so our offices are kind of being um, characterized as the fact that we just suspend students and we do so much more. And so when we think about the policies that we're writing and the procedures in which we need to follow, I'm not surprised in some of that. I, and I think that's because some of it is my own experience and looking at how things have fallen out. And like I said, it's one big case study. Um, I think what's most important, I had two goddaughters who are at different institutions right now. And when I saw the pictures of them and thought they had roommates, I literally was about to go off. Um, but I think that, you know, we have to mitigate as much risk as we can. And if we think about, for me as a, as a man who looks at all the children, I call them children because they are my children because I don't have any. Um, these are my kids. Like, how am I able to protect them? But I also think about what would it meant if we didn't open our campuses in general? Um, because what does, like, the safety is the most important thing. And I would, and I think about those students who don't have homes. Like, we have to open because there are students who are already struggling. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm really not surprised and looking at how all this has played out, we thought it was going to be two months and here we are almost six months later and we're still in some kind of separation from other people. Um, but because of the humanistic experience that our students have, we have to figure out how we can provide them with that social outlet. Yeah, um, well, it's hard. It's very hard, um, particularly because you think about like what we have advertised for the student collegiate experience and they're not getting that, but they want that. And so how do we provide these experiences for students as with being as safe as we can is very difficult to deal with. And so I empathize with um, this generation. Um, I empathize like this is going to be a whole new generation that comes after this. Um, I look at, I think about, like, so these are my children, but I also think about like my goddaughters who are dealing with this right now and telling them, even as much as I want them to go out and make friends, don't do it because this truly is a life and death situation. And it's something different. You know, I think you really touch on that. Um, you know, that collegiate experience is something, I don't want to say that's like the, you know, the kind of the advertisement for college, but it is, it's the, you know, let's take it back. It's the first time you're away from home. It's the first time you get some freedom, right? And you get to go off to college, you get to experience kind of, you know, learning who you are and making friends and trying this and all these social activities and going to sleep and not sleeping for days and all the things that, you know, we have known college to be. And that's not it right now. And the really what you said, it's a life or death situation. And even just the other day, I was having a conversation with someone because I was explaining what we do 
as student conduct, like people, right? Because he's like, well, don't you just like suspend people? I said, no, like we don't, like we don't do that. So much and so more. I literally broke down. I said, you only have seen like this aspect, but let me talk to you about these other things. And I talked to him about, you know, students sitting uh, across from me who may be um, suicidal, students that, you know, who may have been going through whatever situations at home, getting them, you know, a student coming to me who's in a domestic violence situation at her house saying, you know, I don't know what to do because my boyfriend, you know, hit me. And so I'm working with housing, with financial aid, with this person, this person, and this person, and that person to get her safe and exit plan, resources, whatever that may look like. You know, the uh, father of a girl who's been assaulted, who come, who flies in and comes to sit in my office and is crying, the, you know, and the stories go on and on and on. And what I explained was student conduct. Um, you guys have no idea what we do in our jobs from the day to day because it's not the pretty stuff. It's not the sexy stuff. It's not the, oh my God, programming, whatever. That is a huge portion of college. Don't get me wrong. Programs are extremely important. I come from a housing background. We know how important they are. But this other side that's not pretty and not cute plays such a big role in that student experience. And so one of the things that I was saying in this conversation is <clears throat> as much as I have loved, you know, and now I'm over being at home, if you really want to know the truth, like it was fun for like <laughs> a few days. I said, oh, I get to wake up. I get to put on leggings. I get to, you know, not do, like, I hate it now because one, like I work at a university because I love students. But two, when I was telling him, I said, how many students who really need help and who walk in to walk through those front doors of our office as student conduct professionals literally every day saying, so this happened, I don't know what to do, that we're not able to reach because they're not in a safe place. I said, like, right. the whole discipline thing is like 10% of my job. Right. Like, that's it. Like, that's, that's really it. And more so there's educational conversations to be like, so let's not do this again. But it's the people that we're helping that we are essentially like the liaison to all these other offices because of COVID that we're not able to reach. That's my concern. And I would also say, I think as we look at people don't understand. And so I was talking with my law class last night. People don't understand how much conduct influences the work of we're talking about policies and procedures we're talking about what it means to suspend a student, all of it. Like we influence so much across the campus that we, to not be at some of the tables that we're at, not to be invited or to be there and not know what we're, we're specifically talking about. Um, we have to be on par because there's so much that's happening. And given this pandemic, we're on point more. If you look at the jobs, I was talking about this last night, if you look at the jobs that have been created the fact that Tulane created a specific job to deal with only COVID lets you know that we are valued. Because even a part of that job, it talked about you have to understand policies, procedures, and how to interact with other people. And so to understand what it means to have this basic foundation, um, it's very, very important. I mean, this is truly a new world for conduct professionals and the way in which we are looked at as influencing the persistence of people who are on our college campus. And that retention piece. And now and we're more than just the mask police, right? That's what I've been telling people. I'm like, but wait, if you get us in on the beginning side 
instead of now on the inside when we're like, okay, but we're here, then maybe we could have stopped some of these things. So some of the stuff, I want to ask you some of the stuff that you've been seeing. I know um, our institution has come up with, uh, and, I, and I don't mind, I'll just share this with everyone, <laughs> a few different things. One, we have like a letter that kind of can go out. That's like a basic, not a warning letter, but just like kind of like a letter, like, hey, it might be alleged that something, you know, you may not have followed something, be mindful, right? But we actually broke down um, and we have three different levels of um, what, yeah, I know, right? Of what we've designed for COVID like sanctioning, right? So three different levels of one, level two and level three based off of what the student does. And what I was explaining to someone is it's really more about the student's um, response to being told about something than anything else. Because, for example, all of us have forgotten, oh, my God, the mask, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, we've, we've never had to do that before. But it's more so, does the student respond and say, oh, my God, sorry, let me put it on? Or are they, like, expletive, expletive, forget you, expletive, expletive? That's going to determine level one or level three, kind of, like, in our process. And then even looking at sanctioning, our institution, luckily, is um, we use EverFi. We have a contract with EverFi. Um, so we're able to actually pull in um, a bunch of those resources for sanctioning. And actually, this is not a plug for EverFi, but if they want to come in and sponsor, I would, hey, we'll take it. But never oh, right. Look, advertisements, right? Um, but they actually have a lot of really, really good modules because I was going through those um, not too long ago, just looking to see well, what are sanctions and modules and educational things that can be done in a virtual world. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of stuff with looking at equity and inclusion, but then they also have that COVID-19 kind of creating a health and safety conscious environment. And so I don't know, that's kind of where we're starting at least at our institution, and then looking at like where that falls into line with our current like code of student conduct and going from there. So that's us. I know everyone's doing something different. Um, You know, I can talk about it because I kind of came up with it. But you know, hey, I'm proud of it. Someone (laughs) might be listening like, no, that's stupid. But you know what? Hey, so that's what we're doing. What kind of things have you seen that you've liked, not liked, all that good stuff? I think I like the fact that our institutions are really looking at how are we shifting responsibility and liability back to the student. So what does it mean to report? So I've seen a lot of centralized reporting structures. I've seen a lot of, um, you know, is the student being intentional about not doing this? Or are they like deliberate about it or not? And I think we have to be in this space of, you know, the word that we use is grace. How do you give grace for somebody? Um, you know, I keep masks in my car. Um, so for me to get it, it's easy for me to get it out and go. I'm also not working on campus this semester, so I don't have to worry about wearing a mask. But for students who are like used to um, being at home, and now they're like on campus again, and they get out and they leave, it's hard sometimes to remember, I got to grab this mask too, right? I got my key, my mask, my purse, like all this stuff, right? So it can be kind of, you can forget that piece. Like what's the extra piece that you're forgetting, but the grace that comes with that. So it's like, Hey, you forgot your mask. Like, can you put it on? Cool. Like you have no problem. Um, and I think we, in those situations, I'm like, do I really want a student to be reported for that? Like, um, Lewis and Clark actually had a great kind of diagram that they use. If anyone's looking for a diagram, Lewis and Clark had a great diagram that was very, you know, detailed for student to student and faculty to student. And so trying to look at how we can implement something like that. 
Um, our institution is looking at, you know, we're having educational conversations, and this is typical for what most institutions are doing. Um, educational conversation that occurs, there is um, the ability to have uh, conversations with them, and then we're sending out warning letters. But we're also doing an acknowledgement to remind students about what they said they would do, which is wear your mask, to be respectful of people on campus, like all the rules and regulations. And so, like, those aren't reportable, but it's simply a reminder, like, hey, just a reminder, this needs to happen, and you need to follow the regulations. Because we're, I mean, we have to remember that a lot of times we want to give warnings to students, but we can't do it. Like, we can't give two warnings, three warnings to people because of the fact that we're in this pandemic. This ability to cut down this and why we're so strict is because of the fact that we are in this health and safety issue. It can mean life and death for someone. Um, you not wearing a mask around someone and not knowing that you're asymptomatic can mean life or death for someone. Um, and while there's all these different issues about masks and screenings and everything else, we have to do our best to really protect our students. While Gottby Berea said that in local parentis was dead, we are in this space right now where we're also in control of our students. And I think that, and I love quoting Chris Cuomo, one of my favorite people on, on, on CNN. Chris Cuomo said it best. Parents are tired of their kids being at home. And I wrote a post really talking about that. And I was like, as much parents help us, help us on our campus. If you don't want your child coming home as quickly as you drop them off, then we need you to help us. Like, talk about the masking policies. Talk about the policy regulations that we need them to do. Because the sad part about it is it takes a small number of people to change the perception and to change the outcome for an entire institution. If it's a small outbreak and we can't control it, we have to send everybody home or we have to quarantine on campus and then send people home. So I think it's one of those, those things where we have to really partner with our parents, partner with our students and do as much um, talking as possible. But so that's something I've liked, the fact that we are trying to be as educational as possible. The one thing I don't like is that we can't be as educational as we want to be. But the reason why we can't be as educational, as educational as we want to be is because of the fact that we don't have the time. It only takes one or two students to impact so many other students, and particularly in an urban institution, because of the fact that they can go to another campus that we don't know about, um, impact them, or they can impact us, and then we're in an entirely different situation. And it can mean, I mean, like, I don't want to make that phone call. In my college career, I've made that, my, that phone call once. I don't want to make it again to talk about your son or daughter's in the hospital and you get here immediately because they may not make it. And the hard part about that is in this day and age, if, even if you get here, you probably can't even see them. So what does it mean? So we just need our students to be as safe as possible. That, that right there is the truth. I think those of us who've had to A, make the phone call about someone being sick or B, you know, um, make the phone call about your child is like dead. Like, I don't think that people recognize that's another part of our job working in student conduct. Um, we are the people that have to do that, right? 
And so what does that mean for us to have those conversations? Because, and I love the way you said it in the beginning, you know, like I think of the students, like my, my children, my kids, like literally I, I had to run to my office um, a couple of days ago after hours because I needed something. And I literally sat there and I said, this is not like, this isn't, doesn't feel right. Right. Like I, I always say I went to college and I never left. Like I love working at a university. And as you know, as annoying as it can be when during the day you're trying to get stuff done, you know, and people keep coming and, oh, I'm here to see Alexandra. I'm here to see Alex. I'm here to, and I talk to you 30 minutes, an hour goes by. I talk to you 30 minutes and I'm staying there late at night because I didn't get stuff done. I know those conversations are so important because those students needed them. I know that they needed them for whatever reason, you know, that they came for whatever and to connect and to have that and to not be able to do that is just, it doesn't feel right. And then more than anything, I'm like, I'm scared for my students. I'm scared because, you know, those of them who can stay home and they're fine, great. Those who have to come back or whatever that may be, um, it really is life or death. That's why we're in this situation from the beginning. Like, let's be real. We live in a capitalistic society. The fact that we can be home and we're allowed to be at home and work, something's wrong. And so, you know, um, and I think even acknowledging that, and I love what you said, I think, you know, maybe some of that marketing that institutions can look at is even, you know, really pulling in the parents. Parents, help us. Help us help your child. Because if they're hearing it from you, if they're hearing it from us, then that's a thing. Um, I have something for you. So I received uh, a request the other day because someone said that they cannot wear a mask for religious reasons. Wear the mask for religious reasons. So of course, so this is the part where I I can, I can share, you know, with the people, because I know, I know everyone wants to know kind of how this happened. So story time. So of course I get the report, you know, through our reporting system and like usual. And I mean, I've been ready for everything, like the ADA, the this, the that, like I'm ready, like I'm prepared. I have my stuff. And so she goes, and there's a student and, and she goes, well, I can't wear my mask for religious reasons. And I said, wait, what? <laughs> of course, I'm glad that I'm home and I'm not in the office. So you can't see my face. But I guess if we were in the right. office, my, my, my mask would have covered my face. I said, wait, what? I'm sorry, what? She goes, yeah, well, um, I can't wear a mask for religious reasons. And so, of course, you know, did all my student conduct stuff, talked to her, got her to the right place, OA, religious accommodations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it was interesting because in her conversation, she goes, well, yeah, I'm Christian. I can't wear a mask. So I didn't want to say like that. I identify just as being Christian as well. Um, and so I, you know, but that, that in itself was just, I said, okay, so where are we going with this? Now, it was interesting when I was talking to the student, the student said, well, um, well, I'd be able to get my money back if they don't approve um, my religious accommodations. And I said, well, what, how, what, what year are you? Oh, well, I'm a senior. This is my last year. And I said, so were you enrolled in the spring semester? Well, yeah, I was enrolled when everyone went online and we did all that. I said, okay, so you were here for that. I said, were you enrolled over the summer? Yes, I was enrolled over the summer. I said, okay, so have you, that means you've gotten all of the literature from the institution that has said, our policy is this. If you come on campus, you have to wear a mask. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to follow the city and state, whatever, local ordinances, whatever that may be. Oh, well, yeah, I got all that. And so I said, but then you waited to the first day of school to talk or to share 
for religious accommodations. Oh, yeah. Well, I said, well, you know, the sooner you could have done this, like over the summer, since you knew your religion didn't allow this, probably would have been better. Uh, um, But, you know, we'll get back to you. The university will get back to you as far as what that may look like. Um, But that was interesting. I wasn't expecting that one. I was not, I was not expecting that one um, at all to come in. I hadn't, I wasn't ready. I think that we're in a space now. So not only the masking issues, I think I've watched the local news. And I, I also have to admit, for those of you who, who are, are listening to this, I, so I talked about how I'm also, I'm a faculty member. One of my men, mentees is here um, who's in the field, Rob Flowers. So he's just, he's participating, he has an interest in student conduct. And so he is here um, and, and learning, you know, all the things that we're dealing with throughout this year. Hi. Hello. Okay, I'll stop. It's a Spanish. Right. It's okay. We're, um, we'll back to what Dr. Williams is saying. So I think we have to really look at um, we're dealing with a lot. As I'm watching the news in Missouri, we have people that don't want to wear masks and they're very big on my body, my choice. Um, so that has come up. Mm-hmm. And so how are we able to really talk about um, the health pandemic and how we are wearing masks because it's, um, you know, we, we need to do it for the safety, not only for ourselves, but for others. And it, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I think when we look at how we deal with situations like that, I mean, like my institution is allowing students to take classes virtually. Um, as a senior, let's, let's help you get what you need and allow you to, go to take the classes virtually because if you're not going to wear masks, you can't come to campus. Um, and I think, you know, that's one thing, but then we also have to look at, our, my, our institution is also looking at, you have to get a flu shot. Well, we know there are people who can't get flu shots. Um, particularly in the fact that if you have certain um, allergens, you can't get a flu shot. Like medically, you're not able to get it. Um, and so, or religiously affiliated, you can't, you're not able to get it. So how are we able to work around that process? So I think that we're just in a space right now where we have to continue to show, I think the favorite word is grace and understanding through all of these processes. And how am I able as a conduct professional to mitigate the risk of others while also respecting what your religious affiliations and or sometimes people's preferences are saying that they do not want to do. So I think that's where we are um, in this, in this field and really working at mitigating the risk for the greater community. Um, Because that's one only something we need to do, but it's also part of our job. Um, because as conduct professionals, we're a lot of times the people that are always doing this work. Well, I mean, it's the same thing like what we normally do. Normally, those those greater risks are things like bomb threats or shooters on campus yep. or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, put in something tragic here that are real things that we have to deal with and our colleagues have dealt with in this community. And now it's just another thing that is as dangerous, you know what I mean, as as one of those. It's just another thing. And so I agree with you. And I think it's that balance piece, right? How do we how do we do all of it, right? And how do we essentially just create these safe environments? Um, if you're looking at housing, um, I know for us, our housing numbers, we have, I think there's like 500 and something students 
um, that are going to be living on campus this year. Uh, so clearly a significant, you know, decrease, right? But those are the 500 X amount of students that needed to, that needed to live on campus for whatever reason, whether they don't have a home to go to, you know, or what does that look like? One of the things that I know I was talking about was, um, you know, looking at the possibility. Um, and so I'm, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm also, or maybe people do, I don't know what people know about me, but I also am faculty as well at our institution and I'm teaching a class. And so one of the things that I realized was that, you know, as I'm planning out this semester, I kind of stopped my content, like right at Thanksgiving, because I know there's some institutions that are saying, well, we may not have students come back after Thanksgiving. And I know for us, it's kind of like a, you know, every, every day, like anyone else, every day is a new thing, right? But that was, that's kind of how I framed the course, right? Just to maybe have some freedom, I don't know, some, some extra space, who knows, but it's kind of like, what, what do we do with that? Yeah, we, I mean, we, we moved our semester. So like WashU, we don't, undergrads don't start till September 14th and their exams are like after the new year. So they have two parts of exams. For me, as Edwardsville was actually, we were going to do a hybrid. So we would, I probably would have met with my students like on campus one week and then like, like the first week of classes and then did everything else virtual until like presentations. But because we had an outbreak, I mean, middle of America is seeing an increase because we had an outbreak at an institution close to ours. Um, they moved very quickly to say everything is online. So, um, that is what we're dealing with. And so all of our classes are online right now. So I just gave a full semester. I mean, that's all that you really can do, right? I think it's one of those things where it's like, you know, every day, we, I mean, heck, think about it. I laughed. I said, because Monday was the first week of school and Zoom was out. Like Zoom was out worldwide. I literally woke up and I just laughed. I said, Welcome to 2020. Like, what do we expect, right? Um, but we're coping through it and we're getting through that. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, it's interesting. I'm seeing more and more, you know, even students coming in. And, and I think also it's recognizing not just us, but like, how is everyone kind of dealing with the fact that we're still in this? Like mental health is a huge thing. You know, I'm a huge, huge person of mental health and therapy. And I advocate for everyone to go to therapy, right? But like, I'm really looking at like, you know, we're months into this, like whether you want it to affect you or not, like it's a real thing. So how is that impacting our students? How successful of a semester do we really expect them to have? when we're all trying to figure this out ourselves. It's, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I think as someone, I'm a bit advocate of, of therapy. I will admit on this podcast that I also have a therapist Shout out to um, my, my, my JW time. Um, and my, for me, my mental health has increased. Like what people don't know about me is they see me like a lot of times at conferences and like, oh, you're such an extrovert. I'm actually an introvert extrovert. So my introvert has been like loving all of this. Um, now I have my extrovert that's like, I want to get out and see people. But it's been like very refilling for me. Um, my cup is like draining so that it can be filled again. Um, but I think we also have to think about how we deal with students and the social aspect that they want to be around and that extrovertness. Um, 
because there's just really a lot in how we deal with it. And I think we're going to see a lot of uh, mental health increases. Um, I think about Talkspace. If you've not heard about Talkspace, um, it's a great resource for you. I also listen to The Read. So if you do Talkspace slash The Read, enjoy their discount. Not trying to promote them, but if you need something, you need a discount. Talkspace slash The Read, use their discount. Um, but it's also, if you look at Michael Phelps, it's a commercial with him, the people who are in need of it. Um, it's a way you can text and video talk to um, a therapist. It's another great resource for people who need that outlet. Um, I also think about my networks. So I know people that I talk to, like Alex, we talk a lot. Um, other people I talk to a lot, like we, we, we bounce off of one another. Um, so the ability to have that is very important to kind of increase that social experience. So I think we're going to see a more increased amount of um, people who are seeking those types of resources. But then we also have to be aware of people who may not have access to those resources and how we can refer them. And I think right now, the telehealth experiences are, they're trying to figure out how to create these experiences for everyone because they're seeing a lot of increased experiences where that's needed. That's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's different. You know, I think we've, we've gotten used to this new normal, but Hey, but you know, we're, we'll, we're going to figure it out, you know, every day. That's what we do. So with that, Dr. Williams. Yeah. So here's, here's the, here's, Here's the thing. Everyone knows that I've been cricketing and putting vinyl on everything. And you've had to hear about this 57 times. It's okay. It'll be fine. I have loved cricket. I believe that everything, if I could vinyl you, I would vinyl you. I mean, it's just, it's what I, I got like, yeah, so that's my thing. So is there a book? Is there a song? Is there a hobby? Is there something that you have been doing that you have found that you would like to share with our wonderful, amazing podcasting listeners um, that you would share for, you know? That I think for me, it's creating a schedule for yourself. I know for, for me, my sleep schedule has been trash. It's just been trash. Um but I think the ability for me to still find those things I can hold on to. So I'm a, I'm a runner. So I will run at lunch. I'm sorry, biking. So I'll bike, you know, if I'm not running, I'll bike during lunch. Um, I try and walk at night. So just creating that schedule for me. Um, I also try and listen to a lot of podcasts and books on tape. So right now I'm listening to how to be an anti-racist by Dr. Ibrahim Kendi. Um, and so the ability to listen to him, read his book, um, while I'm working through projects is very important. Um, finding great podcasts I can listen to that just kind of make me laugh throughout the day. Like I mentioned the read earlier. That's a great one. Like there's a lot of things going on in the world that I just don't pay attention to. Um, hip hop culture, things like that. So it's just great to listen to that. Um, um, if you have Apple, uh, music, um, the Beats One or Apple One, they do like the new music daily and they talk to different artists throughout the day. So that's been great. So just really try to find like those, um, those rituals that you do kind of throughout your day to kind of like keep you going. Particularly for me, as someone who has a dog, my dog is not used to me being home. So I think my dogs look at me like, why are you still here? Like, why am I not having my space? Like, I'm used to you being gone eight, 10 hours a day, but you're here all the time now. So trying to manage that with him, creating our new normal for our working day is something that has been a struggle, but it's really kind of like solidified the way in which we interact with one another. Um, 
So I think that's something that I'm doing. Um, it's been helpful. Um, I also think that as safely as you can, and then we also miss our families. My mom lives a gas tank away, so I can fill up my gas in my, in my city and drive from my house to her house and not have to stop at all. And so I think trying to communicate and um, safely so I don't I have to stop anywhere is important. So I think about like where can I go once I get gas, um, not to stop between places. I also FaceTime my mom throughout the day. And so just really creating those spaces to create as much of um, the extrovert time I need, but also honoring that introvert time that I need. So those are things that I'm doing. Well, I love it. I'm here for it. I actually think I need to take you up on one of the things that you said when it comes to like running during the day, like during that lunch hour. I think for me, it's figuring out, you know, I used to always hate going to the gym after work and I'd be like, well, I'm not getting up in the morning early. But now since I'm at home and I wear leggings every day and I probably need to work out because none of my, you know, work clothes fit. I'm thinking that maybe lunch working out may be a pretty good idea. So I may have to try that. Well, I will definitely take that suggestion. Um, Dr. Williams, if people would like to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Um, you can find me um, on Facebook at um, Kyle Williams. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at dr underscore kr Williams 14. Um, I think right now I've also just kind of been interested. If you follow me on Twitter, um, I just... I'm politics have been has, has been a new interesting thing for me and talking about I watched the Democratic National Convention and I watched the Republican National Convention just because you have to understand both sides of the story. Um, so I've been doing a lot of like listening to people and posting about things. Um, so yeah, you can find me on those bases or LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn at Kyle R. Williams. Um, so look me up. I'm more than happy to connect with people. I'll make sure I attach everything in all the show notes for our wonderful listeners in case they want to connect with you, ask you questions. You are a wealth of knowledge. And I know that that is something that people can definitely benefit from in our field. So with that, we thank you. We thank you for coming on our show. Please come back in the future. We are so always welcome to have you. And we hope that you stay safe, stay healthy, and we will speak with you soon. Thank you all so much. I look forward to talking with y'all soon. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Alexandra Hughes. That's me. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps others discover us and become more visible to our podcasting community. If you have suggestions for future guests or would like to be featured on the podcast yourself, feel free to reach out to us by email at ascapodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ASCA Podcast. If you'd like to connect with me on Twitter, you can find me at Alexandra's View. Talk to us. We talk back.